0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Online Warriors podcast. Today, your host is Tactic, and I am joined by the lovely Nerd Bomber.
1: Hello, hello, everybody. So excited to have, I'm going to do it, the joke again, another little date night.
0: Happy October, happy date night. And I am so happy that you guys have come here to join us and to talk about some pretty cool things. But before we get into that, How's your week been so far, Nerd Bomber?
1: It's been pretty good, you know. I've really gotten into the spooky season vibe, eaten a lot of candy corn, made a lot of pumpkin spice lattes. I mean, I think you've helped me perfect it, you know. We've got now pumpkin pie-flavored coffee, pumpkin spice creamer, nice little whipped cream, which, fun fact, dairy-free for all of you lactose intolerant people out there. They make coconut dairy whip stuff
0: and on the whipped cream we drizzle a little bit of pumpkin spice spice
1: yeah so super pumpkin-y get that with your candy corn maybe some apple cider pumpkin donuts i also made weekend.
0: pumpkin muffins don't forget those
1: well yeah those too.
0: so i'm not ashamed to say it i am the quintessential basic bitch i love fall i love my pumpkin spice stuff and you know what i'm on the fence with buying myself some ugg boots don't judge me
1: What is crazy though, so it feels like now that spooky season is well underway, we always kind of do a little like, how are you tangent thing. So I'm going to let everybody know. We've had some crazy spiders in our house and I'm not having it. So I don't know if you guys know what a wolf spider is. These things are like inch and a quarter, two inch long spiders. The bodies are pretty thick. They're like deep, yeah, deep like brown or blackish. Very thick legs. They just look very terrifying.
0: They look like the quintessential Halloween gag spiders that are designed to look terrifying. That's them. That's what they were designed after.
1: Yeah. And they're gross. Like, I get, I don't really have big arachnophobia. Like, we have little spiders who come into our house, and I have, I have like a, a, almost like a truce with the little spiders. You know, you stay in certain areas of the house, you're good. Don't come in the bedroom, or you're going to get sucked in the vacuum. These guys, too big for the vacuum, swear our neighbors probably thought I was getting murdered because it scared the crap out of me. And
0: feel free to lower your volumes right now, folks. The exact noise was wee!
1: Yeah. And so I, I had a, weirdly enough, I had a snow scraper from a car and it was going after it and finally did manage to kill it and get it out of my house.
0: I still wanted to see pics of it for the old Insta or Twitter. Whatever your preference, really. So, spoopy stuff aside, I'm going to stick with spoopy, by the way. Spoopy stuff aside, the topics we're going to be talking about on this episode is the Amazon Fall Hardware event, Sony PlayStation acquired a new game studio, and we've got some Metroid Prime rumors. So, if it's all the same, I'd like to just get right into it with the Amazon Fall Hardware event. And the first one that I really want to talk about, and it's the one I was excited about when we first got introduced to it, is the Always Home Cam. The Always Home Cam is a Ring Fly drone security camera that can survey around your entire house, and it is now available for pre order. You can pre order at a cost of $249.99, but unfortunately, they're still in testing as an invite only, and there hasn't been a re- release date yet but you can pre-order it. And that's good because one, I don't want it in my house if it's not ready. I don't want it to take out my television. Two, this looks really cool and I want to get my hands on it.
1: See, I feel like I don't really have a need for this in my house, especially we'll talk about one of the other releases that Amazon came out with later. But one of the things for me is, first of all, it only covers a single floor of your house. That's as someone who lives in a multi-floor house with doors on multiple levels of my house, I feel like for full security, I would need them to get two of them. And then I'm looking at almost $500 worth of drones and they only have a five minute battery life. So one of the things that I probably would use this for a decent amount is like teasing my dog while I'm not home or something like that especially you know having spent a year and a half at home with my dog and realizing that he'll probably have some sort of like separation anxiety when I do go back to the office I feel like I would want to use this to like play with him but with only five minutes battery life like can you even if you have a really big house and like we don't have a giant house but if you did how much of your house could you even really cover in five minutes And then, you know, if a a burglar or something breaks in a window and then just like bats it down, I mean, the battery's going to die. And then then what?
0: Yeah, I'd be interested to know if it if it has sort of a return home feature when the battery is, is getting low. I think with five minutes, that's probably really important because you don't want it to just fall on the floor. Then you have no camera. And I agree. There are a bunch of limiting features on this thing. In addition to the five minute battery life. The camera is not even usable unless it's flying. So it's just a box that's sitting there when it's not flying. Propeller noise is picked up when it's flying around. So if you're trying to listen for something, like you heard a noise and you activated it, but then all you hear is propeller. So you can't really hone in on where that might've came from. And so I agree, there are some limiting factors to it. But me as a person who checks the stove twice, then leaves the house, then turns around to go back in the house to check the stove again, that, that's that's the exact reason it's a sell for me and i know what you're thinking well why not just point a camera at the stove because it's not just the stove it's the stove it's did i put the dog in the crate it's hey did you unplug your hair straightener it's those kind of things that i'd love to just well, buzz around
1: i get that but for 250 dollars, i mean first of all you could probably get the cheap echo show because that has a camera, and if you have certain settings, you can tap into your Echo Show from your phone device. And I mean, you could put one in every room then if you wanted to. Or, I mean, there's security cameras now that are basically $10. Like the Wyze Cam is very cheap. If you were really worried about that, like, why not? For $250, you could literally put a Wyze Cam on basically every angle of your house if you wanted to.
0: Okay, that's fair. So let me ask you a different question. In standard Amazon fashion, there will be a Gen 2 of this. What features would you need to see in the Gen 2 for it to be something you would purchase?
1: I honestly don't know. I think this would need to have capabilities. I mean, A, obviously the longer battery life, but I would need this to do more than just be a security camera. I don't know what it needs to have. Like, I don't think a drone could carry like a can of beer from room to room. And that's why they have, again, one of the other things that we'll talk about that they unveiled today. But, you know, maybe the ability to carry something. I'm really, I'm not sure. Like, maybe if I was lazy in bed, I could just be like, hey, drone, like, go pick up the remote from across the room and bring it over here. I don't know. Maybe something like that would be a little bit more useful. I just, I can't see myself ever using this.
0: I think for me, like I said, I'm going to buy this, but Gen 2, you need to have a longer battery life and have a little window so that the camera is useful when it's docked. That for me is just seems like a dumb design choice that they should have definitely improved. So let us know in the social medias if you guys are excited about the always home cam. And Nerd Bomber. you mentioned a beer holder. So the next item that I want to talk about is Astro. So Astro is a, I call it an Eva-esque robot. If you don't know who Eva is, that's from WALL-E. That, uh, that sleek design with the LCD screen as a face, that's that's pulled straight from WALL-E. I don't care what anyone says. And this, this thing is basically an Amazon Alexa with wheels and a cup holder. So if you want these features and you're a selected customer when you submit an application now, you can get it for a steal of $999.99. But if you wait, it's going to cost you $1,500. Which, me personally, this is dumb. The price is insane, and it's having an Amazon Alexa that can bring me a beer. That is not worth $1,300. Both the marketing team and the design team really missed the ball on this one, in my opinion.
1: See, I think if not for the price point, this would probably be more useful than the drone cam, because this does all the same things as the drone cam. Like, it can move from room to room on a single floor of your house and you know if here's glass breaking it showed it can go over there and i can check out what's happening could even it has the camera that raises so if you were worried about the stove that was actually one of the things they showed in their little trailer clip is that it like looked at the stove thing i mean this is basically personifying the alexa device and putting wheels on it i think i don't know who this is for to be totally honest though like Again, aside from the security features, fifteen hundred dollars is a lot of money if you're not one of the first people to subscribe. And even like the beer transportation system, I mean, you have to realize if you're buying this, like the things aren't going in the fridge for you. Like someone has to be at the other end; it has to put the beer in there. You know what I mean? About
0: opening the fridge door.
1: Like somebody's got to put the beer in there in the first place. So unless you're like super lazy and you can't call to the other room, hey. Billy, while you're in the kitchen, bring me a beer next time you come back here. like, I, again, I don't, aside from it being super cute and like personifying your Alexa, I don't know who this is for. And also like some of the use cases that it showed, like the one was like, robot dance with me. And I think you could maybe see kids doing that, but as an adult, like how often are you going to dance with your Alexa?
0: $1,500 to dance with a device. Yeah, not 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 doing it for me. This feels to me like a uh, tinkering with Tectic challenge. Honestly, it feels like, hey, can I integrate an Alexa with one of my remote control car videos that I made and make this for, I don't know, 200 bucks? And then I'd throw the big middle finger up to Amazon.
1: See, now what would have made this interesting, they showed in their little trailer previewing this device that it kind of has a dock similar to a Roomba, And so what they could have done here is they could have put a vacuum on it and then maybe that like it'd be closer to justifying that $1,500 price point. Still no, because you can just get a Roomba. But if you had like a Roomba that also served as an Alexa as it went throughout your house and you could like ask it to do stuff, maybe, I don't know. Like at least if it had the additional functionality of being a vacuum, I could maybe, maybe justify the price point. But as of now, it just, I don't get it.
0: Yeah, y'all missed the ball on this one, honestly. But with that, I'm going to go with one that you didn't miss the ball on, in my opinion, and that's the Echo Show 15. The Echo Show 15 is a smart display that hangs on your wall, has a 15.6-inch HD display, and is currently listed at $250, but is not yet available for pre-order. Now, if I didn't already have too many Alexa devices because they kept including free ones with every order, I would totally consider this. I mean... Alexa's are, the echoes are kind of an eyesore. They're they're taking up precious countertop space.
1: I I disagree, but continue.
0: I mean, if you you like the look of hockey pucks lying everywhere, sure.
1: Oh, the dots, yeah.
0: Yeah, they're just, they're, they're ugly. And functionally, it doesn't bring much more to the table, but to have the same capabilities that's not an eyesore and is sort of up and out of the way and doubles as a picture frame, I think this is great, especially for people that are just getting introduced to the Amazon ecosystem the price point in my opinion is a little steep but if they had it at say 200 or 150 I think I think that's right on the money of just
1: really having a good product see we have so I really like the actual echo show we have one in our living room and you know the speaker on that thing is great I mean it's not it's not the sleek one though it's like you know the big triangular version of it you know that pretty big and so i really like the sleekness of this and i also like some of the operating system upgrades that they announced along with this i think the operating system upgrades and the form factor of this device makes it very well suited to a kitchen especially the fact that it's wall mounted like the original echo show format you know the again, the pyramid sort of shape, it doesn't really have a great spot in the kitchen. And one of the things that's so great about, you know, the Echo Show that they always kind of shown off as a feature, even when the Echo Show was first announced, was like, you can follow along with cooking and recipes and all that kind of stuff. But it's just, it takes up a lot of countertop space, which is why we don't even have it in the kitchen. So the fact that this is something wall-mounted, I think, is very nice if you're going to put something like this in your kitchen. Additionally, what I really like about this, like I was saying, the operating system changes. Yeah, you can have your calendar come up on your Echo Show as it is now. But I liked the shared calendar aspect, the sticky note aspect, making it more of a You know usable data center for the family as opposed to just this thing that kind of shows a slideshow random facts and that you can make video calls with so i actually really do like this i think this might be something when the price does inevitably come down because you know they're going to make more versions of this i think i would get this again specifically for like the kitchen or you know dining room which for us is kind of one in the same And I mean, being able to look at my calendar, even having like a TV, one of the things they showed in the the video trailer for this was, you know, using it as a TV in the kitchen or dining room. And that's something that we're sorely lacking in our kitchen and dining room. So I think that would this would be like a good compromise because, you know, The form factor also made it fit with the interior design choices you decide to make in your house as well.
0: Honestly, if I wasn't so afraid about dropping a $250 device on the kitchen floor, and again, Online Warriors is not responsible for any damage to your devices, it would be really cool if there was a way to stick this to a fridge door, sort of making your dumb fridge a smart fridge and having it right there while you're cooking. You know, just a couple command hooks and again... Don't do this.
1: See, I could just see myself, though, like accidentally slamming the fridge door and then it just falling down and making me sad.
0: But I think if they, you know, did it did it in a clever way where it's, say, a super strong magnet, I think that would be a really nice place to put such a device. And I agree with you. It's the perfect spot is the kitchen. And I think that'd be awesome. So with that, the Amazon Glow. Now, at first glance, before I get into what this is, I thought this was just going to be... It's an Echo Show for kids, and I was going to say, this is really dumb, but the more I read about this device, the more I thought this is the greatest idea ever. So the Amazon Glow is a kid-friendly device with both video chat capability and, wait for it, a built-in projector. Now that's that's the game changer, in my opinion. The introductory price is listed at $249.99, and the final price will be $299.99, and it will be launching mid-October with no specific dates. Now, let me explain why I think this is a fantastic device. The world is currently struggling to navigate distance learning. And even pandemic aside, there are many reasons why such a device would be fantastic. For example, if schools had unlimited budgets, I could see this being a fantastic tool to help kids not fall behind if they're out sick or to have tutors from all over their country to be able to help teach each topic. And honestly, I think the possibilities can be endless with this one.
1: Yeah, I think, you know, the school implications and especially like tutoring, because I think it would be difficult to implement this. And if you had like a full virtual class of like 30 kids, I think it would be difficult for a teacher to keep up. But if you had like one-on-one tutoring, man, think about the possibilities, you know, being able to sit down and have that extra hour with someone working with you one-on-one. Like for me as a kid and even as as an adult, learning a lot of the time, like I need to learn by doing. I'm one of those people. I'm I'm not like an auditory learner. Like obviously, like I'm not gonna miss things, but like I learn best what I'm doing. And so, for example, if I had like a math problem. If I just do it by hand, I'm going to learn better that way. And so having, for example, a tutor, especially like if you were in college or something too, having a tutor or a TA being able to kind of like look and see what you're doing and then, you know, give you advice, help you learn on the fly, I think is a very cool idea. So this is very neat. I think of the devices that they showed today, this is another one of the more realistic, plausible ones that actually have a decent use case.
0: Now, I don't want you to think we're all about just learn, 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 because the problem with kids is they have a super short attention span. And so that's why I keep going back to the built in projector being this fantastic idea, is because playing with projectors is a lot of fun. I mean, you can throw their artwork against the wall and you know blow it up, and you can really continuously capture their attention and expand on their imagination. So 10 out of 10, this one's a great idea. Very excited for this one. The next one is the first blink doorbell. The first blink doorbell is a doorbell that can interface with your Alexa and let you answer your door with your smartphone. It costs $49.99 and will be released October 21st. And now what you should be asking yourself is, doesn't that sound just like the Ring doorbell? Because yes, yes it does. And this is sort of an interesting path because Ring is a subsidiary of Amazon, so it seems like they're almost trying to create their own doorbell monopoly when they could just sort of continue to make the Ring doorbell better and cheaper. And I don't really like that they're trying to dominate the doorbell market because you know where this goes once they have the monopoly. They're going to drive competition within themselves, make both more expensive, and you're going to get the, quote, cheaper one when really you're paying way more than you would have otherwise. And I don't like this shenanigans.
1: Yeah, I was a little confused when I saw this as well. And I think maybe they'll almost... Split it into two different brands. Maybe Blink will be like the budget and Ring will be the more expensive security minded thing. Like maybe Blink will be more towards like, hey, I just want to be able to see who's at my doorbell. Whereas, you know, Ring will be the thing where if you want to pay for a security service, it'll you know you'll have people able to monitor your doorbell and it'll also link into like the Ring security hubs because Ring is more than just doorbell system Ring has the full security suite which has the the door uh, what open close monitor So basically, gate sensor. Yeah, the door gate sensor. Thanks, and like the window sensors, and even motion sensors, and I mean, it even it has the keypad so you can like lock down your house and such, and you can pay for an actual security system through Ring. So I'm wondering if Amazon's tactic here is maybe make Blink like the more you know just fun. I want to be able to check to see who's at my doorbell when they ring it, and I don't want to pay a lot of money. Whereas Ring will be like the more premium brand because. Otherwise, like you said, they're just creating inner competition, and I don't really get it.
0: I mean, Jeff Bezos is not the most philanthropic person. I 100% see him driving a monopoly within this market. And then no matter what, we're spending more money. I'm calling it now, folks. I'm calling it now. So the next one is the Amazon Smart Thermostat. So in the same sense, Amazon is also entering the thermostat market and you can currently pre-order the Amazon smart thermostat for $60 and it is set to release on November 4th. It can interact with Alexa just like Nest does. It's nothing really that different, but it's cheaper.
1: Significantly cheaper. I might add the um, the old school like metal Nest is $250 for reference and like the plastic version of the Google Nest is 130. So like this is half the cost of the Nest.
0: Now Nest offered rebates through your various companies, so keep that in mind that this also might offer rebate through your electric company, so this might even be even, even cheaper. But that said, the price point is definitely, definitely attractive, but does the shape do it for you? Now, this this device is a large square, and me personally, I've kind of fallen in love with my little Nest wheel, there's something, there's just something to be said about the sexiest of a circle just love a circle.
1: Well, the wheel is very intuitive. You know, you turn it one way for to lower the heat, you turn it the other way to raise the heat. It's just a ring. It's very, very simple, not complicated at all. And that said, though, I don't think a lot of people will be turned off by the squares and rectangles because, I mean, you look at the history of thermostats. They started as, you know, the old school metal round thermostat. Then they moved into the you know, in the 90s, maybe the 80s, you know, the programmable thermostat box, which is a rectangle. And then the Nest kind of went back and revisited the really old school thermostat design going into the circle. So I think, I don't think a lot of people will be turned off by the shape. I think it's going to be aesthetic preferences, but ultimately Amazon is coming in hot trying to compete with Google on the price point here. I think this is one of the cheaper Smart thermostats that I've ever seen. And I don't know. I feel like if you're new to the smart thermostat market, this will be really attractive. I think it's going to come down to, you know, whether you've made the jump into the smart thermostat game already or not. Because, you know, if you already made the jump, you've already got one. You've either got a Nest or an EcoBee. Like you're in a system, you're in an ecosystem. You're not going to change to an Amazon smart thermostat. Because why would you? You just bought a new one if you're just upgrading i can see why you would go with this especially if you know you already are deeply ingrained in you know the echo system because yeah the nest works really great with our alexis but at the end of the day you know, an Amazon smart thermostat, you know, 100% is going to integrate very nicely.
0: Yeah, that's fair. And and honestly, I, I couldn't agree with more. The, the sexiness of a circle can definitely be an overshadowed by a savings of almost $100. That's that's not a little bit of uh, change. So those were kind of the heavy hitters of the Amazon showcase. Some of the lesser interesting ones, in my opinion, were first and foremost, the Halo View. It's a Fitbit-like watch that Amazon is expected to release this holiday season and will cost $80.
1: I will say for this one, I know you listed this as an honorable mention, but I kind of want to cut in. I don't quite understand why they're trying to compete in this market space right now. The device looks like either the old Microsoft band or one of the more simpler Fitbit bands. I think for the most part, a lot of people who are in this space and want a smartwatch or anything like that you know they've either already got one or they're gonna go for a well recognized reputable big brand i mean you've got your garments your fitbits your apple watches even samsung has been in the game longer and it's not like this price point is really that sharp when you're comparing it to those lower end fitbits it's not it's not that much cheaper they do say i have this whole like subscription model but i don't know i just don't know I don't know about this one.
0: Hence the honorable mention. The next one is the Hey Disney, which is basically they took an Echo show, slapped some Mickey Mouse ears on it, and plopped them at Walt Disney Resort locations to be a kiosk for its various customers. This is one of those, why do we care? I mean, it's cool that that they sort of partnered with Disney, but... Honestly, if they partnered with Disney in the shadows and we saw them at resorts and it was just a surprise, it would just be another neat gimmick. It, it it doesn't affect us. We can't buy it. We're just it's just something we're gonna see. So who cares? And you just slap some ears on it, folks. You didn't do anything that crazy. And limited the capabilities, honestly. And then the last one that I wanted to talk about was the Ring Alarm Pro which is basically they took a six-router box with 900 megabits and a range of 1,500 square feet and just integrated it into the current ring alarm base station for a total price of $250. Now, that is sort of a savings if you had to buy both separately, but most people, again, have these wireless routers in their house, so it just seems like a gimmick to get people to force buy a ring system, I guess.
1: I mean, I think this is kind of interesting from the perspective of using it as like a second router because I know like, so we already have like the ring alarm system and I can't see myself, you know, spending $250 to replace our ring alarm base. But, you know, if you were just buying into the system now, the potential of, you know, being able to put this in the basement or something, if you have a finished basement and having a second router and extending your Wi-Fi capabilities in your house, you know, not a terrible idea, honestly.
0: Yeah, that's fair. But again, it, it's it's nothing. It's nothing revolutionary. It's not new tech. It's just kind of cool. Amazon, you did a thing. So, with that, that sort of wraps up our Amazon showcase. So our next topic is PlayStation's acquisition of Blue Point Games. If you don't know who Blue Point Games is, they're the developers of the remake of Shadow of Colossus, as well as the PS5 remake of Demon's Souls. This acquisition, in my opinion, would be mutually beneficial for both parties. With Bluepoint's expertise in remaking games, PlayStation has a lot to gain from us nostalgic millennials that just refuse to let go of the past, because honestly, if PlayStation keeps pumping out remakes, I'm going to keep buying. And similarly, Bluepoint Games wants to venture into more original content, and they can then leverage PlayStation's assets to ensure success. What are your thoughts on this?
1: So, I mean, I think it's really interesting. First of all, like the partnership here makes a ton of sense. We've seen PlayStation work very closely with a bunch of developers in the past year or so, Who the developers like Housemark and now Bluepoint, like they develop games specifically for Sony and PlayStation, and then... It's not that big of a surprise when PlayStation goes on to acquire them. I think Bluepoint is very familiar with a lot of PlayStation's IPs and franchises now. You know, they've gotten the opportunity to remake a bunch of them. So, like I said, the partnership makes a ton of sense. The broader scale, I mean, we have this news. We also have the rumor floating around that, you know, Xbox is partnering with a few studios to make upcoming games in anticipation of buying them, but trying to make sure they're a good fit. And I do think, you know, if you're going to go out and acquire studios, I think working with the studio first, making sure that they kind of jive with your your culture, with the games that you want to make is probably the best way to go about it. I mean, obviously not to say that Xbox is doing it incorrectly at all by any means, because I think the Bethesda acquisition will pay off for them a ton. But, you know, I think it's just... A more seamless transition if you're a developer, if you've already had experience working with a, a company who buys you, I think it's just going to make your life easier when you're trying to make new games.
0: Oh, yeah. I believe that Bluepoint's been working with PlayStation for upwards of 15 years now. So the portfolio is incredibly vast on this acquisition. And I agree. They've experienced a team together. They have the backing for it. And it just, it's a sort of a match made in heaven. And something that I read that's that's interesting is the Bluepoint team at its peak development was only 95 people deep. So I'm excited to see what they can do with, so to speak, Papasoni at its back. So when they want to get into this new original content, they can take more risk and try things that we haven't seen before because they don't have to worry about the team's financial security on, on such risky moves, so to speak.
1: And like they might even be able to split the team here, you know, if they want to have part of their team working on a remake and then, you know, have the other half of their team working on a new original ip or something like that you know with the backing and the financial backing of sony you know they can take the parts of their team that are really really good at remaking existing games and kind of mimicking the feel of a game that already exists from a different developer and you know broaden that team then hire new people who specifically want to do remakes and then also at the same time you know have those people who have the fresh original story ideas and give them the opportunity to hire new people just growing the studio as a whole like you said getting more than you know 95 people and then you have multiple projects going at the same time able to leverage all of the really good experience that blue point games has
0: so with that i have a question for you and when i was researching this topic one of the things that kept coming up time and time again was remaster versus remake and honestly i didn't know there was a difference do you know what the difference between remaster and remake is
1: yeah, I think so. And someone may disagree with me on how I define them, but from the remasters that I've played, they're pretty much exactly the same as they were. It's just like a graphical update so that it can work on current systems. With remakes, you know, sometimes they'll reimagine their your control schemes some of the different environments in a game, they might change some levels around, add some new content It it'll be like, it won't play exactly the same. So a remaster is basically the same exact game made to look prettier on a modern console and a remake is going to be very, very, very similar to the original game, but with a lot more changes.
0: And a little bit of their own creative vision, would you say? Right. Interesting. Okay, so with that, guys, get excited for probably a lot more remakes and remasters, as well as, more importantly, some original content from the Bluepoint team. Let's, uh, let's get excited to see what they're going to give us, because their vast portfolio of experience of what they've been exposed to across the entire PlayStation franchise has set us up to not be disappointed. So don't disappoint us, Bluepoint.
1: All right, so our last segment... And I know Illegal is so upset that he is not here to wax poetic about his love for this franchise, but we have some new rumors about Metroid Prime. So there were some rumors that Nintendo was going to re release Metroid Prime's trilogy collection. I believe it was last released on the Wii or Wii U. And, you know, that includes all three of the original Metroid Prime games remastered. And now, according to reporter Jeff Grubb from VentureBeat, rumor has it that Nintendo is thinking about releasing just the first Metroid Prime on Switch instead of the full trilogy. And they're thinking, you know, this is going to be released to celebrate the game's 20th anniversary in 2022. What do you think of this? Do you think this is a smart move here? Do you think they should have just waited to, you know, give everybody the full package instead of, you know, kind of chopping them up? Because I'm assuming... Either they're going to release Metroid Prime 1 and then the trilogy at a later date, or they're going to release them all individually. So either way, you're going to have to buy multiple versions of this to get the full trilogy in your hands on Switch.
0: I guess I wish I knew how they were going to do it, if that makes sense. Because if they were going to do release Prime, then release two, then release three, I'd buy each one whatever but if they're going to release prime and then release trilogy well, why did i just waste my money on prime and then only just to get another nether copy in the trilogy of it or if i get prime will i get a discount on the trilogy pack and i just there's so much kind of up in the air on what they're going to do and ultimately this this feels like a there's a lot of people hounding Nintendo and they're just trying to just, here, here, take this. We're, do- we're done with this section of the game and, and just parsing it out into its own standalone just to pacify people when it might, in fact, piss people off.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, I know they want to get people excited for whatever the upcoming Metroid Prime game is. I feel like we heard about it and we haven't seen anything about the new metroid prime game in a very long time but i think you you were talking about this a little bit earlier off air that would feel better from a fan perspective if it was released in a collection similar to like the mass effect trilogy and i know nintendo is very very good at getting people to buy the same games over and over again and i think price point is going to come into play here and be very important because you know if they're going to try to sell people on the first Metroid Prime remaster at full like $60 MSRP. That's probably going to wrinkle some people a little bit, you know, raise some hackles, and people are not going to be very happy about that, especially when at one point in time, you could get all three games in a nice little nifty package. I think, you know, getting these games out before the new Metroid Prime releases is very imperative, but they just have to be smart about it, get people back into the Metroid Prime games In a way that, you know, will get people excited for the new game. I don't think you want to have bad press before the new game comes out. I know Metroid is one of those game franchises. I mean, a lot of Nintendo IPs are those sort of franchises where, like, honestly, even if there is a big kerfluffle people are still gonna buy in i mean i know illegal would not care he'd grumble about having to buy all of the different metroid remasters but he would do it and then he'd buy the new game and he would grumble but he would still be happy
0: and then he'd buy metroid 4 wink wink shove shove
1: right so i think they just it's important for them to kind of instill goodwill before there's a new entry into the the series so hopefully they do this a smart way and it's not full price.
0: I just want to know if there's, if they're going to remaster trilogy and then I, I can wait. Honestly, I've been waiting years and I really, really, really want to replay Prime, but I still got my GameCube. I can just dust that bad boy off and get right back into it. So let's keep our uh, ears to the wall and keep finding out what's going to happen. Let us know on the social media if you are going to buy Prime independent of what's coming after it. Or if you're going to wait till the trilogy, or if you're just going to say, nah, I don't care about Metroid at all. Which, if you, that's your case, that's not cool, because Metroid's awesome.
1: That said, we are going to head into an ad break here. But first, I'm going to steal legal shtick. I would be remiss if I didn't thank our Patreon producer. Mr. Steven Keller, thank you so much for your support. Steven subscribes at the night tier on our Patreon. That gets him a weekly shout out, just like this one, every single episode of the show. He also gets an opportunity to come on and guest on the show every three months. You know, he's having a great time. He was just on the show a few months ago. He's got a new guest spot coming up soon. In addition, if you're not ready to subscribe at the night, if you don't want to be around the roundtable, we have two other intro levels of subscription on our Patreon. You get cool stuff like bonus episodes, video vlogs, voting on game topics for our game spots, and so much more. If you want to get involved and support the show, check it out at patreon.com slash online warriors podcast. And now a word from our sponsors. Today's episode is brought to you by HelloFresh. Do you feel like you're stuck in a dinner rut? With HelloFresh, you get fresh, pre-measured ingredients with mouth-watering seasonal recipes delivered right to your door. Skip all those trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. You can now enjoy cooking and get dinner on the table in 30 minutes or less. With over 25 recipes to choose from each week, there's something for everyone to enjoy. All recipes are designed and tested by professional chefs and nutritional experts to ensure deliciousness and simplicity. One of the cool menu items this week is getting figgy with it chicken. Now, I know you probably think that I just selected this on the menu because of the name. You'd be correct, but it doesn't matter. It's still delicious. We've had this before. It is a fantastic fig filled cluck clucking good dish. If you want to try it out, Go to the link in our show notes to get $80 off, including free shipping on HelloFresh, the number one meal kit.
0: Let's see, Alex. Uh, What do you think of Jaws, which is at 97% and Rotten Tomatoes?
1: I find it to be anti-shark propaganda.
0: What do you feel about the Entourage movie, which is at a meager 33%? I think they finally got Hollywood right. How about It Follows, 97%? Worse than your parents giving you the sex is evil talk. How do you feel about Juno, which is at 94%? That would be a movie that celebrates a teenage homewrecker. Uh, How about Bewitched at 25%? Best television adaptation ever puts a film. How do you feel about American Hustle at a towering 93%? Overwrought awards bait. Righteous Kill, 19%. The movie that Michael Mann wishes he had made when he created Heat. Sounds about right. I'm Julio. I'm Alex, and we are the Contrarians. As you can tell, our thing is that we rage against the Rotten Tomatoes machine. Regardless of what we really feel. Find us on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, TuneIn. Facebook,
1: Twitter, we're everywhere.
0: Welcome back to the podcast episode. So now we're going to roll into our What Are You Up To Wednesday? And I'm going to start with something short and simple and sweet. So for my What Are You Up To Wednesday, I guest start on a podcast. I guest start on the Too Vague podcast with Ben Checkness, and I talked about what horror means to me. And you guys are going to learn, if you listen to that podcast, what makes me afraid. And I'm just going to give you the spoilers. I am afraid of being abducted by either Slenderman or aliens, or just abducted in general. So please don't do that to me. I'd greatly appreciate it. As well as I don't like being buried alive creeps me out. So ha-
1: have you been buried alive before?
0: Uh someone threw dirt at me one time and it was just it was a whole thing. And I don't want to get into it. But uh yeah, no. Mainly so just don't abduct me guys. It freaks me out. Please. Thank you. And that was that was basically it really just caught up on sleep and kind of chilled out a little bit. What about you, nerd bummer
1: So I have gotten into God of War twenty eighteen. I started the game a while back and then, you know, I heard so many good things about it and I started a while back. And then something else came along and I never finished it. So I was like, you know what? I have a little reprieve. I am going to actually like dig in and get further than like the first probably 45 minutes of God of War. And let me tell you, when people are saying that this is like the best game of the last like decade or so, like they are not kidding. The game is very very much story driven so I had never played any of the original God of War trilogy games it, it was just something that never really interested me that much and so I never played them before going into the, the God of War 2018 like reboot I did watch some backstory on the original trilogy and I think it did it if you're going to go into the new game and you haven't played the old ones, I don't think it's necessary to have played the old ones. I think, you know, finding a YouTube video that summarizes the whole backstory in like five minutes or so gave me a pretty good understanding of who Kratos was and, you know, where he came from he and has, his journey.
0: He has a large personality shift where, in my opinion, there's sort of a line in the sand between where you're starting and where the game started as as the character.
1: Yeah, for sure. I think like again, not really having played any of those original games but just watching, you know, videos about the story in those games, you do really see how Kratos the character has very much so evolved from those first 3 games. I think it's really neat. So, obviously I'm coming off of playing Hades And from Hades, I was really interested in, you know, all of the different gods and goddesses and all of those like ancient lore type things, which is a perfect fit for God of War because, you know, the way that God of War is kind of structured and I don't want to really give any spoilers away, but like obviously very steeped in the ancient gods. And so, you know, really getting into another backstory like that is super interesting i think the characters here are really big drivers obviously everybody knows tactic made like the the boy well that the, boy that, yeah your bo- boy was a boy, a boy. <laughs> my boy was not the right kind of boy um <laughs> but yeah everybody kind of knows that joke already but you basically play as kratos and his son and you're tasked at the very beginning of the game you, you have to take your I think your partners and your son's mother's ashes to the tallest mountain in the realm to kind of honor her and just kind of the adventures between them the relationship between the two characters because you know they're they're not a strange isn't the right word but they didn't really get along all that much they weren't super close they didn't really have a good understanding of each other so watching these two characters kind of navigate and build their relationship now that you know the mother is out of the picture And how they're dealing with their grief and how they're basically coming to terms with the fact that they have to rely on each other now and, you know, navigating a a new world full of danger and adventure and strife. It's just, it's very compelling. You get very, very invested in the story in terms of the gameplay. So I will say I'm more than halfway through the game so far um, in terms of like the mission list. I know the overarching mission list, and I'm more than halfway through the game. And the gameplay is very, very solid here. We're talking about, you know, you have the hack and slash, like, upfront melee action because you have an axe. But you also have your the ability to kind of play however you want because, you know, while you can obviously go and just walk up to someone and slam them with your axe the axe also returns to your hand so you have the option to play more of like range combat and then there's also a bunch of like different spells and abilities that you acquire along the way different runes like there's some there's some like inventory management but really not a whole lot so if you're not really into like rpg-ish type elements that's very minimal i would say at best like you can do without a lot of like RPG inventory management in this game. I think if you really just wanted to, you know, find one really good armor set and just upgrade the snot out of it, you can get through, well, at least 50% of the game doing that because that's pretty much what I'm doing.
0: It throws me off that he's not shirtless all the time.
1: Yeah, I, I, he was shirtless to begin with, but then I covered him up. I mean, it's cold. I, I was worried about frostbite. And then there's also just a lot of exploration. Like it's a very linear story. And you know, it's not this open-worldy type thing, but you do have, like, this this region that you can kind of navigate in between missions to do little side quests and just kind of explore and gather resources and stuff like that. So it doesn't feel like an unwieldy open world, but you do have the ability to explore a little bit, which is nice for me because I do like going off to do side missions a little bit, and it does help you get stronger and prepare for, you know, the path ahead. I've never at any point, like I'm playing on regular difficulty. I've never really at any point found myself feeling too frustrated. I think in the beginning, there were a few different like battles and such where I was a little frustrated, but then I realized like, I'm not in the right area. I'm doing like a side mission that is for a higher level and I should not be here yet. And so then, you know, after I, you know, upgraded and did stuff to my gear and went back, it it became pretty easy. But obviously like, It's a fantastic game. It was just voted like one of the best games of all time on the IGN fan polls for good reason. And this is making me really hyped for God of War Ragnarok to come out. And I can't wait. And if you have a PS5, you know, this game is free. It's part of the PS Plus collection. Just Just play it. it. Just Just do do it. it. Yeah. Boy.
0: Boy. So with that, we're going to roll into a Halloween themed quiz. And I'm going to ask NerdBomber. The question, what did the skeleton order at the restaurant?
1: Spare ribs. <laughs>
0: nice. I'll ask another one. What is the skeleton's favorite musical instrument?
1: The trombone.
0: I'll ask another one. What did the French skeleton say to his friend?
1: Bon appétit.
0: No. Bonjour.
1: Oh, well, Okay. That said, this obviously isn't a real quiz. We are unfortunately skipping the quiz this week with only two people. It does make it a little bit difficult, but we should have a full cast for you next week. We'll have the full, fun, fantastic trivia experience. You can see one of us lose, probably me, honestly, and have a good time.
0: Thanks so much for tuning in this week, and we'll talk at you next week.